It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Oh, hey there. How are you doing? How is your week going? It's... Thursday, as it always is when I put out these episodes. And I have been in bed for two days straight because I have COVID. It is the most vicious form of COVID I have ever experienced in the many years that uh, we've been dealing with this disease. Uh, I feel like I have been smashed by the Monty Python foot. And none of this is particularly relevant to the episode today, other than the fact that I feel incredibly sorry for myself. And I'm hoping that people will... um, send me gentle emails in praise of my uh, bravery at having recorded this at all. Um, This episode that you're about to listen to today was recorded on the 14th of October at the Wheeler Centre during their spring fling, fling in Melbourne. As you may have known from listening to this podcast for the last month or so, uh, I uh, went to Australia for two weeks for a tour and... Um, in that time, my entire personality has become Australia. I had incredible time. Uh, this is kind of like a really sweet little snapshot of what that time was like. And how you can just really hear me falling in love with the entire nation of Australia, as well as my co-host on this podcast, Miff Warhorst. Um, it's really fun and it's actually a really good snapshot another snapshot, full of snapshots, um, of how the live shows for Sentimental Garbage go. I know lots of people have wanted to come and I've only really done quite little shows in the past or shows at festivals or shows at like fairly obscure locations. Um, But this is kind of an indication of how those shows go, um, which is I have a guest on, we take uh, sort of notes from the audience in a big fishbowl of like little garbage topics that they want us to cover and then we um, sort of give these like two or three minute hot takes on them that often go into these really fun meandering areas. So um, on this episode, when you hear us sort of like pause for a second and then suddenly launch into a totally new subject, that is because we are um, we've taken something new from the fishbowl. Um, this is like this is uh, probably a good you know a good heads up because it will help you understand the framing of the episode more. But also because um, I'm planning on doing a kind of a big tour next year. Uh, I'll be doing a couple of dates in January in London. And then in time for the paperback in the summertime, I'll uh, the paperback of the Rachel Instant rather, um, I'll be doing a sort of a bigger tour. So there'll be loads of opportunities to see me next year. Um, and, and I hope you do so. Because mommy has tickets to sell. Uh, another something I wanted to point out before we got into this episode is um, you'll hear me and Miff refer kind of ambiently to like a political situation um, known as The Voice in Australia. Um, if you're an English listener or an Irish listener or anything other than an Australian listener, you may not have heard of The Voice, but um, I just just to give you some context and background. Uh, The Voice was a proposed change to Australia's constitution 
uh, whereby Indigenous and Aboriginal Australians would have a guaranteed voice within Parliament. Uh, it was a very, very uh, charged moment for Australia. And, and for me, I was entering the country when this referendum was taking place. And, and as you probably know, over the last few years of referendums in both England and Ireland and all around the world, there, there can be these extremely fraught times for a population. And this was no, no different. Um, so it was this strange thing of like the referendum was deleted on the 14th of October, on the Saturday. There was a lot of like sadness and sorrow and just a real disappointment because many Australians took this as an indication that their country was still incredibly racist, um, particularly towards Indigenous people, and there was a lot of sadness in the room. And so it felt, uh, you know, it felt appropriate to talk about it up front. It comes up a couple of times in the podcast. And rather than try and edit all around it, I thought I'd leave it in. Um, uh, so I hope you... I don't know, hope you hope you enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. I'm sorry I don't sound more upbeat. It is it is just because I'm sick. Um yeah, we'll have a normal episodes regard uh, resuming next week and I hope you enjoy them too. Uh as usual, rating and reviewing the podcast is so useful. Uh we have an Instagram account called Sentimental Garbage Pod now. This intro has gone on way too long, so I'll let you listen to the episode. Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Guys, I've been in Australia uh, a week tomorrow and I have to say, I don't know the most about Australia, (laughs) but I sure as eggs do feel the most about Australia. (laughs) I have had the most amazing time here. I, I, I am so grateful to you and to all of you. <laughs> you as representative of the whole country. Oh, thank you very much. What's been your highlight so far? Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. This is, <laughs> this is one of those stories that doesn't make me seem very relatable or, or very likable. Um, You're amongst night, friends. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm not so, it was, it was, a, it was a, a moment where I felt like I was both in a dream and in space. Um, where uh, last night, um, on a kind of a, a whim invite of some brand new friends that I made my first night in Melbourne, um, I was invited to Chat 10. And, and um, I, uh, Chat 10, obviously, you guys know it very, very well. Um, I, I know it because it was one of the many uh, sort of dominoes that were in place um, that, that fell, that made my kind of surprising empire in Australia happen. It was, it was Chat 10 and it was Shameless who were really bigging up the podcast during the pandemic. And it was so, so kind. I'm so grateful to those women. I'm so grateful to sort of the, the Australian women of the moment who are letting me have a moment too. Um, but I was there and I was sitting there with um, the beautiful Claire Bowditch and uh, who's been really showing me around uh, Melbourne. And uh, suddenly... <laughs> We were sat there in the audience, and they started talking on stage about sentimental garbage. And I was like, oh, that's, that's fun. And then they were like, well, we believe Caroline's in the audience oh, tonight. No way. And so I got a standing ovation as an audience member. <laughs> 
And I, um, I spoke to my husband, Gab, this morning, and he was like, I love you a lot, but I don't think I love you as much as Australia does. <laughs> And he was like, I want you to prepare for what's coming when you come home. Because yes. it will be picking up dog shit in Greenwich Park. <laughs> How is Gab, though, like, given you're over here? You're over here having, you know, the time of your life. I know you just got married recently as well. Is he happy to, like, let you go over, come, come over and just, you know, leave him behind? Did he say, yeah. can I come, please? Well, um, there was a brief conversation about him coming, but then because my publisher has uh, agreed to fly me business, but not Gav. And the answer was, you travel alone. <laughs> exactly. Always. Imagine coming back every 20 minutes being like, hey, babe, how are the seats back here? Oh, you're watching Mission Impossible too? Me too. All right, bye. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Um, before we crack into the meat of the podcast of what's going to be recorded, um, I just want to say, again, in the spirit of not knowing the most, but feeling the most about Australia, um, I just want to point out the elephant in the room that, I, you know, I, I'm, and thank you for that beautiful introduction that you just gave. I obviously knew nothing about this entire referendum before I got here. Um, but I've been having so many conversations with new friends um, while I've been here, and I know there will be people in the room that will be hurting today. And I just wanted to say, again, I, I, and I know so little about this issue, but when I, was, um, when I was a teenager growing up in Ireland in 2002, there was a referendum for, um, to grant abortion rights to women in the very small percentage of moments where, like, the... Um, where the mother's life would be endangered if the pregnancy were to continue, and the referendum failed. And I remember that being the most hard, because I remember, like, I, I, I think I started my period that year, and I remember it having this, like, weird psychological impact on how I felt about sex and my body and how strange it was. And then, in 2018, the referendum for abortion rights in all of Ireland, in any situation, passed. And I just, I wore my badge today. Um, just to kind of, this was from, the, this was from Repeal the Eighth. this was from the referendum. Um, I have loads of them just sitting in my luggage because I used to give them out to people whenever I traveled. And uh, just, you, you know, sometimes you lose the battle, but you, you don't win the war, you don't lose the war, you know? Yeah. So. Great words. <laughs> All right, ready to have fun? <laughs> I'm terrified, by the way. We don't know what we're going to be talking about tonight. So yes, it's... we've got a big chalice. All right. You put some... I had a quick look through. There's some, some deranged shit in here, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> I, love, I love when people put it in. Um, and sometimes they're like, they put down you know, one word, or sometimes they put down a whole sentence or a question. Or sometimes they'll do like, H2O, the TV show, full stop. <laughs> And then discuss, full stop. <laughs> the discuss, full stop people are their own star sign. Yes. <laughs> just, more, just for the sake of the audio. Mm. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage. <laughs> the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline O'Donoghue, and I am coming at you live from Melbourne at the Wheeler Centre Spring Fling. <laughs> Guys, you can't do this for everything. We won't get through the questions. <laughs> and joining me is Australia's favourite national treasure, Miff Warhurst. Let's hear it again. 
Don't know why I brought a notebook on just to read that. The pleasure is all mine. I'm so honoured to be here. Oh, I love this. Okay, go. Best and worst moments of Greece. <gasps> this is the spirit of the evening. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Best moments? Um, well, Olivia Newton-John's very, very tight pants. I think they're extraordinary how she got into them. Um, Oh, look, the, the love duet. I'm a lover of love duets. I, I, I made a documentary many years ago. It was called Nice, and it was about all the things that people would say, you know, you, if you love them, especially when you're a kid, they would say, oh, that's nice. But they were yeah. really judging you, you know. Oh, wow, you were really... And, and I loved love duets, and I ended up working at Triple J, which was like, um, you know, it was youth radio, and I, I couldn't... I was a bit ashamed about my love of uh, cheap, very cheesy love duets. Yeah, so... Um, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep doing this, but you have to come on the podcast properly to just talk about this. this oh, yeah, yeah, subject. yeah. Well, yeah. I ended up... The whole thing, I created this documentary. In the end, I just made it for me, really. Yeah. Um, I met Kenny Rogers and sang Islands in the Stream with <gasps> Kenny Rogers. So... Oh, my God. As a way of re-embracing, you know, that story and, and, and reassessing that love and, and yeah... So the love duet, obviously, oh my God. in Greece is the best Truly, moment. Truly, Miff, you walked so I could run. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to pave the way, babe. Happy. Happy. But the I reckon- doors you open for talking about shit no one likes. <laughs> um, my other favourite moments in Greece are, um, and this is something that's really come to me with maturity as I've watched it as an mm. older person, the, the best song in Greece is the song in the opening credits. Am I right, though? With the cartoon. And I remember being so... When you watch it, the cartoony bit, they're all... Yeah. The animation. Um, I remember being so confused by it as a kid because you, you want it to be the whole... You want the cartoon to be the whole movie. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, the fleshy 35-year-olds playing they 17 are. They're all so old. Where's my cartoon? <laughs> but that song is such a bop. Yeah. Peace is the word. It's the word. It's the word. It's the groove. It's got feeling. So good. It's so, so good. good. All the songs are great. Um, look, the premise of the movie is a little odd in that she, poor Olivia's character had to basically change herself entirely in order to get the guy. But, you know, it was set in the 50s, so we're saying that's okay, even though it was made in the late 70s, was it? Early yes, 80s? Yes, Yeah. But, you know, it was the style of the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the best... The best performance in the whole thing, it's got to be Rizzo. Rizzo. That's not an original thing to say. Yeah. Was worse, there were worse things I could do. Come on. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so, it really, sorry, I've got a real, got, abortion's on the brain. Um, <laughs> but I, it's so weird. I think most of us probably saw that movie when we were really young. Mm. And I didn't, I never understood the whole um, Rizzo and Kinnicky storyline about like, remember there was a, the whole thing of the condom being broken and yeah. her being in trouble. It's just like, it's so weird to me how that stuff just simply washes over you. It's like... Yeah. And, and you also have that storyline similarly in Dirty Dancing as well. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's... But it's strange how it did just kind of wash over us at the time and yet these movies were probably trying to tell us a yeah. lot about what we were going to face in the future. Yeah. And I, I always... I mean, I, I did an episode on Dirty Dancing recently and what really struck me, what was my, my surprise favourite thing about it was that 
It's a movie where a man risks it all for a woman he's not romantically with. Like she is like like the girl Penny who needs oh. the abortion. She's the damsel in distress. She's the one we're here to save, you know. And like baby isn't there to be saved. She's there to learn, you know. Oh. She's the, it's 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 about. Um, being a kind of a middle-class person who means well and whose parents want her to go and do great things and, you know, work for... What's that thing that Americans always do? Uh, hum- the, you know, the humanitarian thing that they do? The Peace Corps. Oh, the Peace Corps. No, yeah, she wants to do It's been Peace a while Corps, since I've watched it. But, it, yeah, no, but yeah, you always hear about that. Like, Americans going to the Peace Corps. What is it? <laughs> I'll never find out. Is that like summer camp, but when you're a bit so, older? Yeah, I think it's that we don't, even, we don't have that here it's either. It's very visit an orphanage <laughs> and, like, or build an orphanage and put up one brick and then, like, it's just this rotting half structure in the middle of a poor African country. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, what I find fascinating about it, it's, like, very much, like, this character who's this left-leaning upper-middle-class family. They wanted to join the Peace Guard that she wants to do great things. But the minute that, like, the people she wants to save, the people she wants to speak on behalf of, that becomes inconvenient for her parents' worldview or becomes inconvenient to her purity, her virginity. It's, oh. That's when her parents' generation, their resolve crumbles. Like, her dad, who she loves, is like, no, you're not allowed to speak on behalf of these people kind of thing. And I think it's such a brilliant observation of that moment where we realize our parents aren't quite as liberal or lefty or as well-meaning as we thought they were you know yeah I think a lot of people are experiencing that this week yeah (laughs) I I actually yeah I think just about so many of my friends have have this week you know in the last couple of months have experienced that kind of separation over certain issues and it's just it has to happen but it yeah it's it's so difficult. It's like a very... It's, it's a severing that is deeply uncomfortable, I think. Yeah. And there's this strange thing as well where... You know when you're young and um, you come home with your first little set of politics mm. and you're... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Mum, you'll never guess. I hate racism. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> Or and then you know, or you you there's like a a big moment and uh, you weigh in on it and your parent and you're like 18 or 19 and your parents talk over you at the dinner table because you don't have the life experience to match oh, yeah. the opinions you have. I'm I'm 50 and my parents still say I don't have life experience. Yeah, well, experience. That, this is the thing. Yeah, it I, never ends. It never. It ends. never ends. Mm. I've begun to realise that they will always have more life experience on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way the parenting thing is set up. <laughs> So like, how do you? There's like, it's like, a, like you, there's no way of diffusing that whole thing. Mm. It's wait for death, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the mind of a genius. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the the girl tired hours, i.e. between three and five p.m. daily? <laughs> You know what, I don't call them girl tired hours. They're like the Kit Kat and Coca Cola hours. Yeah, it's like I'll just have half a Kit Kat. Never half a Kit Kat. Never half a Never Kit Kat. Never two pieces, always four. That person has really got to the heart of something I've been wondering about for my entire adult <laughs> life. Girl tired. Girl hours. tired. Do you get Sweet. girl tired? I get girl tired. Yeah. For sure I get girl tired. And like, yeah, there's always that period. It is about 3.45 where I'm like, maybe I have clinical depression. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not deep enough to have a mental health issue. I'm just... <laughs> 
just a little gerbil. Just, <laughs> just a little hamster on a wheel. It's, is, is Girl Tired Hours, though, is that like girl math, as in it's real but not real? Oh, yes. I had a girl math experience today, actually. Have you, do, you have, do you have girl math experiences often? Oh, I can justify all kinds of shit. That's fine. <laughs> I've built a life on justifying all kinds of shit. So, yeah, I'm good with it. What is that? Do you, do you know that, um, that famous Simpsons episode where Marge buys the Chanel suit? Oh, yes. My people. So good. <laughs> Marge buying the Chanel suit is the first uh, anthropological evidence of girl math in the culture. <laughs> um, because there's this moment where so she, she finds the Chanel suit and it's at some kind of TK Maxx mm. sort of outlet store thing. And, uh, you know, it's $99, which is insane. And uh, Lisa's like, oh, you know, mom, you have to buy it or whatever. Mom, you have to buy it. And she's like, no, it's, you know, it's, it would just be for me. It wouldn't be for the, the family. If, no, if it was a suit we could all wear. <laughs> <laughs> and then she eventually buys it. And um, then and, and, um, Lisa's like, oh, you, you never do anything for yourself. And she goes, right, I'll buy it for the economy. <laughs> Um, oh, Marge, she so deserved that. She deserved that. Yeah. Um, but I, um, do you want to hear about my girl math experience Absolutely. Today? Some of you will have heard about this on my um, Instagram, but I think, I think Miff is too chic to look at Instagram. <laughs> and so, so for you, it'll be a new story. Um, so uh, nobody prepared me for the Melbourne weather. Um, oh, I did see you had to adapt some of your clothing. I had to adapt some of my clothing. Yes, yes. So jumpers under dresses, it's all very nice. Um, but I also had to buy a pair of tights. And ah. the only tights shop that was, you know, I'm in the Sofitel Hotel, which I can say freely because I'm checking out in the morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, And the only tights shop near there because it's insane luxury brands all around that area. Yeah, like there's a Wolford store, I think. And yeah. <laughs> Well, is, this is this where you went? This is where I went. Oh, my God. Are you made of money? <laughs> well, no, because the woman girl mathed me because <laughs> she gave me this big spiel about how spending 75 Australian dollars on a pair of tights was a good idea because it would last me for years. I go out last night wearing the tights. It's a fairly tame one. Like, we went to the, the podcast recording. We went for a few drinks afterwards. Like, there was no dancing. There was no whatever. Um, and then I get home, and literally there's all these no. little micro holes coming up the side. No. And it's so depressing. And I was Take like... Take them back. Take them back, she says. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you tomorrow. It's fine. So I take them back. <laughs> And the poor girl behind the counter, she's just doing her shift, you know, you know like she, she can't issue refunds and she's just kind of repeating the same thing to me over and over again, which is, we don't do refunds. And I was like, I understand, but I have paid 75 Australian dollars for these and they should last longer than a single evening. And, uh, and I made it quite clear I wasn't going to leave. And uh, so she rings her manager, who's in Sydney, by the way, so this is Sydney's problem. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, we have this this conversation on the phone and, and she's not letting up and she's like um, and I was like listen I was in this store yesterday and you told me that this would, these would last me for years and she was like well you obviously didn't take care of them <gasps> she's stocking shamed you oh my god and she was like what were you wearing 
And then she's I said, a mole. We have a word for that in this country. She's a mole. What's that mean? Okay. It's a mole. A mole. If someone's not very nice, they're a mole. She's a fucking mole. Yes. <laughs> and next time you have a conversation with her, yeah. if you ever do, if you continue this, yeah. you need to say to her, if you're prepared for a fight, you need to say, game on, mole. <laughs> game on, mole. It will make sense. And she'll know exactly I'm what I'm electrified you're... by that. Yeah, she'll know um. exactly what you're talking about. And, um, yeah, and so she said you weren't looking after it properly. And, uh, I said, I, I, and uh, she said, you're probably used to M&S. She what? She, she said, you're probably used to M&S. The implication being that, like, you're, you're, only, not, you're, you're, you're a person who doesn't have nice things. Yeah. She's definitely a mole. Mole. Game on, mole. Yeah. <laughs> but the girl math of that. Yeah. So that I'm never seeing those dollars again, but... This is a live podcast that is going on my feed. <laughs> I will make ad revenue from it. <laughs> and all from that damn mole. We can, we can tell you, you head to the supermarket and get a pair of bonds. Yeah, opaques, are... 50 denier or something. They'll do, they'll do the job just as well. Well, if only I'd known that yesterday. <laughs> do you want to take the next one? Yes, please. Thank you for letting me get off my, off my oh, chest. this is good. <laughs> okay. Not sure how far we can go with this, but Meg Ryan's best hairdos. Ah. <laughs> what was that story in the Bible of the, the guy who loses his power when he loses his hair? Oh. Samson. Samson, yeah. Meg Ryan has that in reverse. Oh. She was her most powerful when she had very short hair. <laughs> and then she got long hair and it was like... Eh. Was that the, fe- the feathered short hair? The feathered short, that yeah. you've got male hair. Yeah. God, that's gorgeous. It was a gorgeous movie, but the feathering left a lot to be desired. And we, we all went there. I mean, I know I certainly did around that time. Did you rock it's a feather It's very cut? difficult to do when you've only got, like, one hair product that was probably mousse. Um, <laughs> we didn't have any other products back in the early 90s. Or was it, was it mid-90s? I'm not sure. Um, tried the feathering, definitely. It, sort of, it was something you could do with a hairdryer. You sort of oh, is pushed that... it all forward. Meg Ryan's it only style. ever look good on her. Mm. And now does and, not suit anyone else. Yeah, but now, but now those um, the Gen Z, the, the Gen Zers, the TikTokers, they're all getting that kind of '90s Bobby kind of thing now. And I every single day, Dolly messages me a screen grab of another 21 year old <laughs> with like a '90s Bob, and I'm and I just text her back saying it only looks good on her because she's 21. <laughs> I also had the Bob in the '90s. <laughs> I thought, because I went to Cinema Nova here in Carlton in the 90s and um, regularly watched the movie Betty Blue. Big so anyone, Blue? It's a French Betty Blue. Betty Blue, yes. It's a oh, French beautiful. movie and it was very, it was, it was the movie to watch here at the time and, and she had a beautiful, she was absolutely stunning, the woman playing Betty and she had this great sort of bob yeah. and I got it, thinking and? I would look just like her. <laughs> I look like a fucking Lego character. <laughs> the sexiest Lego character. Uh, the sexiest Lego. The most Lego. beloved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you go. Separate table for that. Yeah, I know. Um, oh. <laughs> how do you feel about restaurants explaining how their menus work? <laughs> <laughs> I've got one thing to say. Have you eaten here before? 
Oh my goodness. It, it's so weird. Have you eaten here before? And then you go, no. And they go, oh. <laughs> and then they crouch down at table level and get like elbows on the table. Yes. And they got all these like rings on because it's a cool place. And they're like, right, so what you want to do is um, for our small plates, you probably want about um, maybe two for two people. Yeah. And you're like, so a starter. No, like, yeah. And for our, for, then our big plates, there's probably one each. And then our sweet things. <laughs> you're just like, why do you think you've reinvented the wheel on this? They might as well just say when you come up to the table or they come up to the table, can you read? Like, what? I've never understood it. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are we today? Can, can you, you read? read? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it for you. And when you ask for too many small plates and they plate yeah. shame you, that's the other thing I'm not here for. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I, they're like, oh, you're hungry. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm, the hungry <laughs> girls. Yeah. I have to say, though, uh, I have not had a bad meal in this country. And it's so wonderful because um, I'm not sure if anyone's recently been to London. That, that city is over. <laughs> Um, because like combination of like COVID and lots of restaurants got shut down so like all of my like favourite places I love to eat for years just gone Um, and uh, the Brexit ingredients much more expensive and uh, it's just I'm having the worst meals of my life in that country right now I'm on strike I'm learning to cook (laughs) you know it used to like it is so hard to get a good meal in that country now (laughs) that's why I'm moving here I think we would love that. (laughs) All right, your turn. All right, okay. Canned boxed wine. (laughs) Do you have canned boxed wine in the UK? It's readily available. beginning to become chic now. But it was like, it was really, like, you've got a word for it over here, don't you? Goon. A goon. We call it the goon bag. No one, I, no one really knows why, but it, I think it, it came from it being originally um, packaged in a flagon. Oh. Yes. I, did, no, I actually did research into this. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like a secret scholar, right? Like you did a whole PhD on toilets, which makes me love you so much. <laughs> no, that was my, my first... I. I I, my background is in art curatorial studies and I've yeah. never done anything, but I did one exhibition and it was here in Melbourne and it was on the history of public toilets in Melbourne. <laughs> You'd be amazed what you can learn from public toilets and how much they change cities, but anyway. Um, they do because prior to the 1920s, there were no toilets for women. Yeah. So women couldn't come to the city. All the blokes would be pissing in an alleyway and that was fine, but women couldn't come to shop. Because unless they could get into a, go into a department store, that was the only, only place you could go. So public toilets were actually hugely pivotal in changing the culture of the city. Hey! Well, we love a dunny here in Australia. This is a really boring thing to say, but every, every day in Australia, I've texted somebody uh, at home saying, everything here just works. <laughs> uh, like the transport works, like every 50 paces there's a public loo. It's like... Yeah, you don't know what you have. You don't know what you have here. And just like, I don't know, hearing you talk about the history of toilets, I was like, I just kept thinking, there's a reason that we were put together on this stage. Like people... 
the, the Weir Centre understood the assignment. That's right. That's right. You can see the value in everything. But yeah, box box wine. Yeah, um, box wine. Sorry. Built <laughs> built originally or created originally as a a way to store wine if you didn't finish the bottle yeah. that night. And I have used to have it in my fridge when I was a poor student because it was heaps cheaper. Uh. And I would call it uh, the lonely lady. <laughs> the lonely lady. Your friend in the fridge. <laughs> so she was always there for me. The lonely lady. Yeah. I love her. And I actually released my own box wine a couple of years ago called The Lonely Lady. <laughs> Miff, what have you not done? I know, I know. I think Black Arts and Sparrows still has it. It's got me yeah. when I did my debutante in the 80s. It's a pitch because the, the original boxed wine had a lady in a white dress. Yeah. And so I thought, I'll just put my Deb photo on it. <laughs> That'll be fine. <laughs> I had Jip Soffler in my hair, you know, that baby's breath, flowers. Oh. And anyway, so, yeah, Black Hearts and Sparrows did a little range for me at, at, a couple of years ago. We were all a bit bored during lockdown. So <laughs> um, if you want some, I'm sure I can get some. I I very much need some. Thank so you. I love it. I love the idea of, you know, just... Yeah. It, it was so uh, not classy to have boxed wine for so long. And yeah. I, and I love the idea of flipping that and going, well, it's actually quite um, economical and quite environmental in comparison yeah. to the, the other alternative. Well, totally. It's completely turned around in London. Like, it's like... They, because they, they, they commission artists to do the cardboard around it and everything. Yeah. It's like eco-sustainable. The wine's always delicious. It's always really cheap. Love a box wine. And everyone says, oh, the wine's not as good as if it was in a bottle. But it's like, do you know what kind of wine I drink? Do you think I care? Like, it, if it tastes good enough, it's good enough. Do you ever have that, like, um, that really sad bottle of wine in your fridge and it's it, the pasta wine? <laughs> yeah. Where it's like... you make an ambitious pasta dish mm. at a certain point and you're like oh throw in a glug of white wine to really bring <laughs> out the parmesan and uh and then the glugs go in and then you might have a glass or two with it but then there's like this much in there mm. and then it kind of keeps getting topped up for different pastas and then it stays there for like seven weeks and then one day you're like well <laughs> it's just you and me kid <laughs> Oh, look, there's nothing wrong with a drop of battery acid every now and then. It's fine. Um, the Secret Garden. Big one for you? Not for me. Oh. Sadly. All right. Oh, no! <laughs> Don't let me stop you, though. Don't let me stop you. Um, I was obsessed with the Secret Garden. The, the, the actual question was, was every millennial woman obsessed with the Secret Garden growing up? And the answer is yes, yes. I believe. <laughs> I think this, this might be the single generation gap that we feel. Yes, possibly. I knew that there was going to be something tonight that we would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have nothing to offer on. But there was this interesting kind of, and I, I wish it came back. Like, and, and I, think, I, I assume this is about the film more than the book. But, um, yes. <laughs> um, um, but there was, in the um, mid-90s, there was this kind of trend for, like, very serious, um, earnest kind of costume dramas mm. aimed at children, where it was, like, Merchant <laughs> Ivory films and, like, no jokes. 
of like the Secret Garden and um, uh, the Little Princess mm. and Black Beauty and all yeah and it was they were just very straight tellings of the classics but I adored them and I adored them because it took they took themselves seriously and I think there's a certain kind of child I wonder if you were this kind of child that had a very sensitive like kind of sense of like when they're being pandered to mm. And I wanted to be trusted with great drama and great emotions. And you know what I mean? I wanted, yeah, like I wanted yeah. someone, someone's, a character's parents to die in the cholera and that just be like <laughs> the opening scene, you know? <laughs> it was so great. I wish you would come back um, as, as a trend because I would be here for it. But like, It will, 20 years. 20, well, yeah. Well, it's nearly been, it would have been. It, it's ready. You're when, ready. It's, it's, when it's ready. I think what'll happen is that, like, um, when sort of people of my generation who sort of remember that and grew up with that, mm. when we get to our powerful age, <laughs> when you've got all the power and the big jobs and have money yes, to spend, this exactly. is when you come into your own. Exactly. Me and Dolly are always talking about the production company we're going to own. <laughs> we're doing nothing to put it into place. <laughs> But we just assume it will happen. And I know that we're going to have, like, kids at home and we're going to want to recreate those movies. So, so watch this space. <laughs> For another 15 years. <laughs> um, Love it. Oh, favourite character in The Sound of Music and why? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Oh, look, I, I, given I just did Rocky Horror, mm. the live show, um, I, was the, I was the narrator... It's okay, I still can't sing, dance or act. I, but I got through it and I had a ball. But my role was then taken over by Nicholas Hammond, who was one of the kids. He Which became, kid? Uh, one of the boys. I can't... That's it. It's the big girl and the small girl and the rest are like, meh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I know his face when I say it, yeah. But, um, so I have to say it's, I have to say it's him because he's just the most beautiful Aww. person. So the most divine, gorgeous person, and he also appeared in numerous episodes of The Love Boat, which was one of my favourite 1970s television shows, 1980s television shows. And what does he say about the experience? He didn't say much, actually. He's just... Oh, he, come on. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think if he did, actually. I, I mean, he, he then went on to play Batman and had lots to say about all of those. He's just such an interesting person in that he's he's been through these incredibly powerful cultural moments and yet he was so so decent and so yeah. and not full of himself and and so gentle and genuine I think I was more impressed by that about him oh, that's yeah. nice not gossip but you know nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go back and ask him now some gossip <laughs> Um, the two things that evolve the most in my brain the more I mature with the sound of music is that first of all that Christopher Plummer is the hottest man alive <laughs> like oh my god daddy <laughs> and when he's singing Edelweiss and, and oh. like just and, Oh, that bit really gets me. Like, because, well, and I know everything gets me, but <laughs> like, but that thing of like he's singing this uh, this Austrian song and he's about to uh, say goodbye to the country for possibly forever, and he's sort of saying goodbye to Austria, and the Nazis are waiting outside to take him somewhere. Um, <laughs> what? Where are they taking him? <laughs> I feel um, emotional. It's so emotional, and the other best character is obviously the Baroness. Um, 
Yeah, pour one out for the Baroness. Didn't get her due. <laughs> uh, something that I think I've talked... I think I talked about it the other night at my show, but I, I, it bears repeating. Um, I, I think she's, she was a huge inspiration for my latest novel, uh, The Rachel Incident. Because <laughs> it's set in Salzburg. Um, <laughs> But more, I became really fascinated when I decided that I was going to write a novel that was about um, a woman and her best friend who's gay, that um, our cultural idea of that trope and how it's it's always been in, in movies and in TV, but just in different guises. Oh. Like, you know, there, in the sort of 2009 period where I first met my best friend Ryan, I remember... Um, you know, people saying to us, oh, God, you think you're so great now because you've got a gay best friend. And uh, you think you're Carrie Bradshaw. And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, now we've been friends for, like, 17 years and we've got, like, a tattoo together or whatever. It's It's gone deeper than fulfilling simple, you know, character roles in one another's lives. But it's fascinating to me about how we... um. That, that dynamic is so ridiculed by pop culture and you see it in The Sound of Music mm. where you see it in a lot of golden age cinema where you've got like a devious woman and her camp best friend mm. and uh, with In Sound of Music you have uh, the Baroness and Uncle Max yep. and Uncle Max is the only person who she's herself with in the movie. So with, with uh, Christopher Plummer, she's being sexy. With the kids, she's attempting to be warm. <laughs> with, uh, with Maria, she's like trying to sort of be a sort of an older woman of guidance. But with Max, she's herself. And mm. she says to him at one point early in the movie, she's like, I have a feeling like I'm auditioning. And you can see that she's scared. And the fact that he's the only person that she'll talk to about that struck me as being really important mm. and it, um, I don't know it's really stuck in my craw yeah and it's well it, it's been played out so 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 many times yeah what's your favorite iteration of that relationship oh that's such a good question um do you know what I actually do have a lot of time for Carrie and Stanford <laughs> I know Stanford Blatch has had a lot of criticisms over the years and none more so than the, the show's handling of Willie Garson's death. Oh. When I don't know if you... I have seen, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. So obviously they decided that to kill off Big, uh, was, was they can't have too many deaths because that would be depressing. Mm. So they decided that Stanford... Willie Garson, the actor who plays him, died in real life. It was incredibly sad. Uh, but they decided that Stanford Blatch moved to Tokyo... Be- and became a Shinto monk. That's right. And I'm I, not against I, that. I didn't hate that. Like, no, no, I actually didn't hate it. I didn't hate it because he he had passed on, and 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 yeah. part of Carrie reading that note saying he has left everything to yeah. you. He's given away all of his possessions, in that he has no more worldly possessions. Yeah. And I thought that was a really Nice way of re- no, pre- you know referencing what? his his death, I guess. I think that's great, and there was that great moment with Sarah and Jessica they looked Parker at each other like they knew downing the drink, and like and it, that was one of the few good things about and just like that was like <laughs> there weren't many, there weren't many, there weren't many, <laughs> but those those slight moments of magic where both the the sort of fourth wall being broken and the the TV looking at you and being like, we know that you've cared about these people for 20 years and we get it and we're trying to honour that and we're not always succeeding. Mm. 
But, and I actually think I, it was bizarre, but it was kind of moving. But then it immediately pivoted yeah. <laughs> into being about Anthony's ass. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, wow, Stanford can leave everything behind and I can't even leave my ass virginity behind. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yep. That'll get an Emmy. So the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, what I love about you. Go from that to... Yeah, no, it's... It is magical. <laughs> it is. <Yeah. laughs> um, I can't see the camera. Oh, camera we've got 9.26. We've got four minutes, so we've got time for... Are you joking me? I know. All right, shall we quick fire then? Let's quick fire. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, we had girl math already. Um, oh, the worst Beyonce song. Oh. I want to say soldier, because I don't like how it props up the American industri- uh, military complex. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have to say, I don't think there is a bad Beyonce song. Sorry. Yeah, although I do find love on top very stressful in the wrong mood. It's, yeah. <laughs> if <I've laughs> Too many key changes. You know she rehearsed as a teenager, like her dad used to make her run on a treadmill in order to be able to sing the way that she does. Because you try and do any Beyonce song at karaoke, it is practically impossible. It's impossible. And she also dances while she's doing it. And so her training as a child... It sounds oh horrific. God, that was makes... to train on a treadmill while singing. And dad would tell her... Matthew Knowles would, would tell her that she would have to keep doing that in order to get her, what, her physical fitness that and makes vocal up fitness. so up. much sense, actually, with her delivery, because she often does like, a lot of short, breathy words. Like, that, mm. that, that, that. Yep. She's running. Poor girl's running on a treadmill. Yeah. She is the Judy Garland of the modern day, <laughs> except it all just turned out fine. Um, uh, 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 the transition from Twitter to X. Yeah, you know, no. one of many things wrong with the. Uh, it's over. Can we but safely it, say it's over? I it's feel. over. I feel like it's over. It I feel a great release place. of it being over, though. Actually, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it used to be a fun place, even though we called it a hell site. Yeah, um, it, it, there used to feel like a community, and now it just feels kind of bleak and grim. It's very, very bleak. And also, it's like companies try for decades and pay millions to find a word that, that be, then becomes a verb. Mm. Like, I tweeted on Twitter, all that, and, yeah. and they just threw that away. Yeah. Fine. Um, <laughs> he can have it. Um, the bold type. Oh. I love. love. the bold type. Love. <laughs> when did you get into it? I think it was, well, it was definitely during lockdowns and uh, I think I burnt through all of the series. Yeah. Like, loved, loved, loved all of it. Because I started out doing magazines. Oh. And, well, in a, in a newspaper back in the day, we had free street press and where you'd learn what gigs were on and yeah. what bands were playing and what arts events were on. So, I, you know, I loved the idea of... Oh, that was my first job in journalism yeah. as well, was doing that sort of free press gigs and stuff. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, you always think you're going to be, yeah. that's your world, even though it's no longer mine, but I loved it. Oh, I, I, um, I loved watching it. I think I started watching it probably 2019, which was, was that pre-COVID? Yes. Um, thank you. And, <laughs> uh, and thinking that Megan Fahey was just so brilliant oh, and yeah. that they were all good, but she was clearly the star. And then seeing her in the White Lotus, I was like, Gav, did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out I was right about Megan Fahey. 
And also my mother's maiden name is Fahi, so I was Oh, quite, there you go. And now everyone knows all my internet passwords, so. <laughs> Beckham documentary. Oh. T- Be honest. What t- did your dad drive? <laughs> what did your dad drive you to school in? Rolls Royce. It was, it was a Rolls Royce. It's a gorgeous, it's gorgeous. Like yeah. their, their relationship is actually quite wonderful to see played out on screen. Um, there's a, a level of honesty and reality about the two. But then, yeah, you get those moments where you go, she's just completely bullshitting us. <laughs> and she's fabulous. She comes out on top in this doco, I think. I, yeah. I'd actually just watch a doco about those two. Rather oh, yeah. than all the, I mean, the, the football stuff. Yeah, Alex stuff. Ferguson, who needs it? Yeah, the football yeah. stuff was great, but you know. Um, sorry, what, do, we, do we not have any time for this? I think Gosh, we do. Do we have to go? Oh, yay! Oh, no, we've had the thumbs up from the organisers. We'll okay. keep going. <laughs> Two minutes, okay. Oh, I actually, I, I don't know where I stand on this, so really need the advice from you. Okay. Um, hair accessories, butterfly clips, chopsticks, etc. Dying to know what etc. is. <laughs> oh, then brackets. Um, false scrunchies? hair on scrunchies. What was that? False hair on scrunchies. False hair on scrunchies. Is that a thing? Is that? Do you get a hairpiece with a scrunchie? Wow. Oof. Because like 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 novelty like hair slides and all that kind of stuff. Mm. That's come back in a big way, hasn't it? I'm it seeing has. them everywhere, and like yeah. I can't commit. Why not? You, you've got great hair for it. You could do it. I just just feel silly. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make chopsticks work in your hair, though? Oh, yeah, I don't get down. Is don't. it possible? Yeah. <laughs> Can anyone here do it? I could never do it. I used to try it, but like, oh, my yeah. hair just, it just fall Everyone out. always had that girl who sat in front of them in school who could do her hair up with a pencil. And, mm. uh, I don't know where those girls are now, but they're not my <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Is it time for Caroline to watch The Castle? Yes, I'm desperate to watch The Castle. <laughs> Kate, Young, Kate Young, my friend, um, who's from Brisbane, she brought it up on the last podcast, and I really want to... It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's a magical little piece of, of 90s filmmaking set in Melbourne, outside of the airport. Uh, <laughs> just outside of I the airport. I spent a lot of time at that airport. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's about fighting for your right to live where you want to live and and your ownership of that that place and I guess justice for all. It's the only movie in Australia that was a huge hit that um, also incorporated a storyline involving the High Court of Australia. Wow. A lot of judicial work going on in there, but they made it beautiful. They really, really made it beautiful. Oh, is that the kind of movie where, like, I might find it in, like, an independent cinema playing or something? Like, how would I... What's the best way no. to watch it? I think it'll be on a streaming service. Thank you. Yeah. Like everything else in this world. Uh, and finally, Celine Dion written in blood. <laughs> there were nights when the wind was so cold. <laughs> I love that song so much. Celine, she is magnificent. I mean, her appearances at Fashion Week when, yeah. you know, like we, we've all seen the tuxedo. Was it oh the, the white God. and the black? That was the one where she had... Was it two different outfits on the one outfit? Yeah, yeah. Gen- I, genius. She's someone who, like, I want a four-part Netflix documentary about Celine because mm. that is fascinating. Yes. <laughs> Celine! <laughs> but, like, the whole thing with her her late husband, Renee, you yes. know, being her manager when she was, like, a 12, like, like it's... Someone, so messed someone up. in this corner knows about Renee. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, <laughs> that feels like a weird place to to leave it. We we can do um, one more. One more. Okay, hang on. I want to pick a really good one. Oh, Platts, too childish. <laughs> I don't know where you'd even think about that one, but I like it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I understand where this is coming from because it's coming from the same place that makes me think that the, the, the big hair slides movement is, mm. is, makes me queasy and just nervous. Um, but I think plaits are fine. What, what about, where do you sit on braids? <laughs> hmm? Where do you sit on braids? Because I can braid if, if you need. I could sit you down here and, you know, do the, you know, that oh my God. plait down the back of the head. There are I charity auctions that would auction that off. Myth. <laughs> Myth braids your hair. Yeah, I can do it. 20 bucks a pop. I'll braid all your hair. <laughs> Up the front here, I'll just sit, you just put your head between there and I'll just... We had nothing else to do without the internet. I grew up nothing in the country. Nothing else to do. Um, Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann, Disgust. This is one of the Disgust people. Yes. Disgust. Um, a perfect film. It is. Uh, but also such a 90s film. Do you know what I mean? And like such like the language of the 90s was in that movie, you know, the kind of the sort of like the pulpy tabloid sort of thing of like, it was just so genius. What happened, Baz? <laughs> As an Australian, what's your theory on what happened to his gift? <laughs> Everything got a lot bigger. I think mm. when it was smaller, it yeah. was incredible. And, and the, there was a lot to say. Like I think about Strictly Ballroom and how much... I think at that time, we, through film, we were trying to to explore who we were, for, perhaps for the first time. Mm. And so you get these wonderful little moments. They're almost like capsules of of worlds that they're not amazing, incredible, intricate. Uh, sorry, they're, they're not. Um, they're tiny worlds, mm. usually, and I think he started to then go for bigger, 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 bigger. Yeah. And I think that's where it lost its, its edge, yeah. maybe. I think what's so... I, th- I said this on the podcast recently, but I've been thinking about it a lot more since. But I think those three movies, um, we all know what they are. I don't need to... <laughs> <laughs> we all know what the three good bazes are. We do. <laughs> um, um, they're movies about people who have seen movies. It's about what it's like to have grown up in the 20th century, this kind of this, this uh, century that is all about the production of media, the production of images, and distributing those images, and mm. people basing themselves off the distribution of images, unlike any other century before that. And it's about the stories you ingest about life through images and cinema and that's why they feel so grounded but also so crazy mm. because it's like Strictly Ballroom is it's bonkers it's bonkers yeah. but it's about ordinary sort of like lower middle class people who have a weird hobby but who <laughs> and who care about nothing else but their hobby because their hobby is their only place where they can exercise control over their lives mm. and uh, how like in their worlds, they are the heroes and the villains. And it's grand and it's theatrical and it's amazing kind of thing. And I, th- I think that was just, that was great. I just, yeah. I just love it. Yeah. Still a genius. It's still in there. It's still in there. There will be the great resurgence of his genius, I there believe. There will be. There will be. Yeah. I have faith. All right. And on that note, <laughs> this has been Sentimental Garbage. I've been Karen O'Donoghue. 
This has been Mifwarhurst. Thank you so much for an incredible evening. My entire tour was built around this. Basically, I got an email back in February saying, um, you know, we'd love to have you at the Wheeler Centre Spring Fling. And as I'm sure you get this all the time where you get sent these emails that are like, would you like to come to Czechoslovakia for, you know... <laughs> We have annual egg day. Would you, would you, would you like to cut I the ribbon? I hope you said yes. Yeah, I always... <laughs> that sounds good. Is, I always say yes to egg day. But, um, <laughs> but then they just... Then you, you go like, okay, um, will you pay me? Or can I have a hotel? And they're like, no. <laughs> it's egg day. No. <laughs> um, and then, it, then it, inevitably it always fritters away. And so when I got um, the email about from the Wheeler Centre, I thought, I'm going to say yes and uh, it'll fritter away. And then the, the plans just kept building. And then a few months ago, I was like, I'm going to Australia. <laughs> I'm getting married, and then I'm immediately going to Australia for two and a half weeks. And I'm just, I couldn't be more grateful to the Wheeler Centre or to you for just hosting me for this incredible time in this incredible country. And I just love you all. And thank you so much for this warm welcome. I've felt it every single day of my trip, and I've loved it. So thank you, really. <laughs> thank you, Miv. Oh, thank you. What an absolute honor. Thank you for thank you for being the soundtrack of of so many of our lives for so long. Like you, yeah. you really helped us through a lot of stuff, especially in this city, and I think that's why you're so loved. Stop it or well. cry. Thank you. Yeah. 